Well, Merry Christmas, Radiant Bible Church. Merry Christmas. Um, it was 40 days after Jesus' birth that an elderly, godly man whose name was Simeon held baby Jesus on the temple grounds and made the very interesting note of him. He called him a light. We're going to see that text here in just a little bit. But he called him a light. It's an interesting because, boy, of all the times I've held a child or seen a newborn or you've held a child, seen a newborn, I doubt that was the words you would use. Uh, it may be more like, what a cute baby. Or maybe, oh, that is a pudgy baby. Or maybe it's like, wow, your baby has a lot of hair. Or it might be, that baby sure looks like his mom. Think that one out here from the text with Jesus, by the way. All kinds of things, and yet here we have Simeon say, a light. Why? Why would he use that term regarding a baby? Uh, we're going to be taking a look today in our text and uh, through our scriptures, and we're going to be grabbing a hold of this term. And I want us to start in Luke chapter 1. So if you haven't already, please open your Bibles to, to Luke and Luke chapter 1. I want for us to get a little bit of lead in to this statement that Simeon makes. I want to start with Luke chapter 1, and actually not with Simeon, but with Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah was an older gentleman. He was a priest, a lay priest at the time. He had his opportunity when his division of priests was kind of up for the temple opportunity to serve. And this was kind of like literally in the movement of it all as I understand it, kind of like his one time in his life that he would be able to come in and be able to lead inside the temple and the sacrifices that take place with that. And we find out that while he's in there, an angel shows up. Look at chapter 1, verse 13. It says, but an angel shows up, or an angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Why would Zechariah be afraid? Because he wasn't expecting this, <laughs> okay? Uh, For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. They were childless and been praying for a child, and the angel reveals to bear you a son, and you shall call his name what? John. Boy, parents, wouldn't you want to have that kind of thing? You know, no more back in my day. It was baby books, you know, baby names online nowadays, where it's like you're going through it. No, I can't name him that because I remember that guy in junior high, and he was not my bud. And we, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. And yet here we have this divine thing. This is the name. Let's say it this way. Names matter. Names matter. Uh, take a look. That's one baby plan is in place. Uh, go to verse 26, chapter 1. In the sixth month of the angel, uh, sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was what? Mary. And he came and said to her, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. 
These two babies, and they're divinely, the parents are divinely told what, what they're to name their baby child. Uh, now take that, go over to chapter 1, verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife, to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. It is on the eighth day that the official naming of the child takes place, verse 60. But his mother answered, no, 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 no. We're not going to do it the way we normally do the whole name thing in our day and age. No, no, no. We're going to name him what? John. So they said to her, but none of your relatives is called by this name. And, and they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted to be called. Why did they make signs? Because shortly after, uh, Zechariah was told that they were going to have a son and name him John. Zechariah kind of pushed back on the Lord and was having a hard time believing that God could do what he said. So God's like, you know what? I'm going to zip your lip for a little while. So for about nine months of time, and he's still in this, the baby is born, uh, eight days afterwards, and they made signs to him, inquiring what he wanted to call him, because his wife said John, which was abnormal, and he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. How cool is that? This elderly couple, God doing a work and showing up and having that. That was on the eighth day of the naming. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 21. And at the end of the eight days, when Jesus was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Friends, names matter. Names matter. And here it is, these two names, John and Jesus. And then comes this unique term that I've made reference to. Look at verse 22 in chapter 2. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. What an interesting statement, by the way. And so it's 40 days after the birth, and this is what takes place at this time. And they bring him 40 days after his birth. They bring him up, and they're, they're, they're consecrating him unto the Lord, and then jump down to verse uh, 25. And now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. By the way, how cool is that? And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples a light. For revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother, Mary and Joseph, marveled at what was said about him. A light. A light. Why a light? The reason they call him a light is because, if I can show it this way, there's a biblical thread all through Scripture on this term light. And if I can do it this way, we're in the middle of that in Luke 2. 
right here. And the light comes. So here's what I want for us to do. I want for us to, in order to understand what really is going on with this term light, because we have the theme of light around here as a church. And by the way, have you anybody noticed that it's like the time of Christmas that people have this unique way of like lighting things up? Like the outside of their houses, the inside of their houses, their cars, their companies, their buildings, anything and everything. They light it up. Why? Let's track this thread, and let's go back to the beginning, and let's carry it out. So if you would, turn to the first page of your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, and let's begin there. By the way, if you're visiting with us today, here in probably a few minutes, you're going to be going, my goodness, is this what they do all the time? Like, they just, like, run through the scriptures, like, no, we usually don't. What we usually do is we go to a text, we hang in the text, we drill into that text, but every so often, you need to see a thread of scripture, and we need to see the whole of the picture. So we're literally going to go to the beginning, and we're going to finish at the end here in just a few. A light. Start in Genesis chapter 1, very first verse of the Old Testament. In the beginning, God, by the way, the term in Hebrew is Elohim. And how interesting is this? Elohim is not in the singular form, which there is a form of that. It is in the plural form. I'm just going to note that for you theologians. The very first sentence of the scripture says that in the beginning, God, plural form, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without uh, form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Elohim said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the night from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, there was morning on the first day. Go to verse 4. 14. And God said, let there be lights, plural, in the expanse of the heaven to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons, for days and years. Let them be, be I'm sorry, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And so it was so. Here God speaks light into being. He speaks it. Know this, he doesn't say, hey, Gabriel, would you please flip the switch for me? He doesn't say that. He also doesn't have like a clapper, or he goes like that in it. No, no, it's not that. It's not some device turns it on. He doesn't have Alexa do it. Hey, Alexa, would you please turn the lights on for me as though they already exist? This is really important fact. God speaks, and there is light. It is created. It happens in that moment. Light is not something that was available to God. God, as we're going to see, is light, speaks light, creates light, and is a former research and developed kind of guy. I love that fact because there's no way you or I can invent anything that does not exist. But God did. And out of nothing, he spoke, and there was light, and we have light lights it up. And so we have this idea in the very first verses that there is the heavens and the earth have been created, and yet there's this kind of canvas of darkness. And then it's like Elohim just lights it up. It's time to begin. It's time to put something new into play. And light is the trait, is the item that gets it rolling. Oh, why might Simeon be calling Jesus a light? It's traced through. Let's keep going. Let's move a little quicker. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 10. Exodus chapter 10. By the way, if you have a digital Bible, like turn on the page turn sound. 
I love the pages turning, okay? I don't even know if you can do that. <laughs> Exodus chapter 10, this theme of light. We're in the plagues in the time of Egypt. We're at the ninth plague, verse 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven and that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt and a darkness to be felt So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel, they had light where they lived. Uh, By the way, friends, I don't have time, but the geography and just how that worked with the Egyptians and and the Israelites, it's not like the Israelites were in southern Africa and and the Egyptians are in northern Africa, and so maybe there's some freaky kind of way we can explain what happened. No, no, no. They are literally living within the same common reason, and yet it's so dark here. I'll just tell you, the way I would be if I was, hopefully I'd be an Israelite at that time, and so if I was an Israelite at that time, I would be walking up to the wall where there's darkness. How does this happen? Sticking my hand through. I don't know how this worked, but I'm telling you, something happened here. Wait, wait, what's going on? My point is, is God is light, and God has control of light. Look at Exodus 13, verse 21, 22. Exodus 13, 21, and 22. This idea, this thread of light. People of the Egyptians, or I'm sorry, the Hebrews are miraculously brought out. And look, verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them. But, but what about night when it gets dark? And by night in a pillar of cloud, of fi- I'm sorry, in a pillar of fire to give them light. That they might travel by day and by night. And the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night did not depart before the people. God's light moved them, directed them, carried them. Uh, Go to Exodus 34. Exodus 34. By the way, now are you getting an idea on why we call this Bible church? Exodus 34, verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know, Pastor Nick had mentioned this earlier, that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. What an incredible image. Here, Moses is up on the mountain in the Shekinah glory of God, and after spending time with God, comes down, and they're looking at him like, what? Like, what? What's happening? His face is beaming, if I can say it this way, is radiating the glory of God from himself. That's what happens when you reside with God. It just comes out of you. Uh, Chapter 37 page or two over, chapter 37, verse 17 and 18. Again, this idea, this concept of light in the scriptures. Verse 17, he, he also made the lampstand of pure gold. 
The tabernacle is being set up. The tabernacle is to be the center place where all of God's people, even as they're in the desert walking around, they're to be centered around that. And he's talking about the building of this. And he made a lampstand. What do lamps do? Lamps light things up of pure gold. He made the lampstand of hammered work. Its base, its stem, its cup, its catalyses, its flowers were of one piece with it. And there were six branches going out of its sides. Three branches on one side, three branches branches on the other side. This is called the menorah. This is called the festival of lights. And where is that to be put? That is to be put inside the tabernacle area. Why? And we're also told in Leviticus that that light is to be kept like 24-7 because God is represented by light. Anywhere God is, things are lit up. Uh, Go to Psalms. Psalm 27, Psalm 27, verse 1, David here says this well-known statement, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light. A few other passages in Psalm. Turn to chapter 43. Chapter 43, verse 3. The psalmist says in verse 3, chapter 43, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. By the way, do you see the picture that he's grabbing a hold of? He's grabbing a hold of the whole idea of Baca coming out of Egypt. Oh God, lead me. Lead me to your holy hill. You are light. Lead me in your light. Chapter 89 in the Psalms. 89. Verse 15 and 16. Blessed are the people who know the festival shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exalt in your name all the day and in your righteousness are exalted. Psalm 104, verses 1 and 2. Love this one. Psalm 104. You, Lord, are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. You see the picture here? He is describing the Lord as he is, like his clothing is light. And when he opens up his clothing, it is like light extends out. That is the descriptive factor here. And yet Simeon holding baby Jesus makes reference to a light. Just listen to a couple other passages in the Old Testament. Isaiah 2, verse 5. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Micah 7, 8. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy, when I fall. I shall rise when I sit in darkness. The Lord will be my 
light. To the New Testament. Just a couple more. Hang in there. Are your arms getting tired? Good. Good. Matthew 2. We're at Christmas time. Picture this. Matthew chapter 2, verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. I have a question. What is a star? A star is a beaming light. Friends, think about this. God could have had anything floating over where baby Jesus was born. He could have had a drone. He could have had a snowman floating. He could have had anything he wants to get them there to that place. But what in the picture of things takes place? God has over the the incarnate Son of God born a star, a light. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And then in Luke chapter 1, we come back to where we were in the last one before Simeon's declaration. Zechariah, John's dad, after John is born and Jesus is not born yet, he makes this prophetic statement now that he can speak again. Verse 76, chapter 1, says this, and you child, he's referring to John right here, will be called the prophet, one of the, or of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sin. Now listen to this. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby, now he shifts from John, he's making reference to Jesus, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Look at verse 79. To give light to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guard our feet in the way of peace. We we have gone from Genesis all the way to the birth of Christ. Why does Simeon call him a light? That's why. But I have to complete the story because the thread continues on. Uh, Let me just make reference to a number of passages here. John 8, the context of religious leaders calling for a woman to be stoned. And Jesus spoke to them, the text says, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then in John 9, Jesus says again of himself, I am the light of the world. If you would turn to John 12, this will be the, uh, almost one of the last ones I have you go to here. John 12, verse 35 and 36. 
Jesus is, is an adult in his ministry life. And Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtaking you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going, where she is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may be sons of light, that you may be daughters of light. That's even describing light, describes the person that is in Christ. And then we see in verses 44 to 46, and Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whatever, whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. You listen to a few more. Matthew 7, 2, at the transfiguration, he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the light. His clothes became white as light. At the cross, we're told in Mark 15 that at the cross, Jesus is hung on the cross, nailed to the cross at 9 a.m. in the morning. We're then told in Matthew that at noon and the third hour, three hours after he's hanging on the cross, at noon, the lights go out. Everything goes dark. And from noon to 3 p.m., it is dark. The Son of God hung on the cross, taking the payment of sin, and this image, this reality, that the one who creates light, all of a sudden light is put out because he's going to battle with the darkness. That's why Jesus is called a light by Simeon. Because that one is going to go to war against darkness. Jesus said in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket. Thank you. Let's get a running start on that, those who know the song. Let's take it from the scripture. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket. They put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Acts 13, 47, Paul in Antioch, Pisidia, quoting from Isaiah, I would suggest is bridging the gap from the Old Testament call into the New Testament, into the Gentiles. And he says from Isaiah, for so the Lord has commanded us saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. Ephesians 5.8, Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. First uh, uh, Thessalonians 5.5, 5, for you are children of light, children of the day, not of the night or of the darkness. First John 1.5, after the apostle John says, I'm telling you, I saw him, I heard him, I touched him, I was there. Believe me, he says then in verse 5, chapter 1, he says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. 
verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. And one final movement in your Bible. Would you please turn to Revelation chapter 1, the last book of the Bible. The thread continues. This John who we just said, I saw him, I knew him, I heard him, I touched him. This John then, Revelation chapter 1 verse 12, the resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ, if I could say it this way, as he is today, friend. Then I turned to see the voice of the one that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw. What did you see, John? What did you see? I saw seven golden lampstands, light, and in the middle of the lampstands, one like a son of man, that's a Daniel 7 term, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest and his hair on his head. It was white, white like wool, like snow. I like that. His eyes were like a flame of fire, light, His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. And in his right hand, he held seven, uh, you see it? Seven giant blazing balls of fire, stars, light. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face, his face, his face, his face shone like the sun in full strength. Do you see what's being described here of our resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ? Now, light is the predominant factor, the predominant facet of everything around him and who he is. And our last verse, there's hope, friends, our last verse. Revelation 21. Revelation 21. We are in the eternal state. It's after the great white throne judgment. Verse 22. And I saw no temple in this city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring glory, their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there ever. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. What lights up eternity? The one that Simeon was holding in his arm. Colossians chapter one, Jesus is the agent of the Godhead to create. All things are created by him, for him, through him. The one in his arms, 
was the one from Genesis 1, the agent of creation. That one we show in the middle of the thread, now we see at the end of the thread, he is lighting it up. Why do we light things up at Christmas? I would suggest because it's theologically correct. Light tells the story of redemptive history. Let me finish with you listening to the closing words of the video we saw earlier. We are reminded that beyond the glowing screens and blips and buzzes and songs and sirens of the world around us, there is a true light. Not blinding, but illuminating. Not scorching, but warm like the morning dawn. Awakening hearts and opening eyes. Darkness is overcome by this light. This light is full of grace and truth that shines for all eternity. It's a light that fills us to the brim, flooding out in each direction, bringing the hope of life to everyone around us. This light isn't us. We just hope you see it because it turns out that in seeing that light, we discover that this life isn't about us after all. When you embrace this glorious light, it dispels darkness so you can enjoy true hope, true joy, and true peace. We are simply the tour guide. You're not supposed to remember our name we're here to point you to the incredible, indescribable, everlasting, radiant glory of God. Let's pray and then we'll finish the service. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you so much for your greatness. Oh God, thank you so much for who you are. You have lit up our world, literally and personally. And so we behold you. We stand here in this Christmas moment I pray in the kind of a way where we see you greater than we did last Christmas. I pray that we would be a people who run to the light, who sit at the feet of the light, who take in the light, who behold the light, who speak the fame of the name of the light, and who also radiate that out. Broken people in need of a Savior, given hope through the work of Christ, living for 
the glory of the light. Thank you for being so awesome. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.